Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Today, Pastor Ralph will begin a message entitled, How to Make Loving More Fun. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Ralph. And I'd like for you to open your Bibles up to Genesis chapter 1. That's where we're going to be starting. But before we get into the, the teaching through the Bible part, I have a story that I want you to hear that's of a marriage that started out as a disaster and ended up being something very beautiful because of the power of God and because of what the Lord can do in a relationship. And, you know, you, you may be a person that's hearing this story and you're very happily married and you've been married a long time. I, I still think you're going to come away from here appreciating the power of God from what you hear. You may be a person who's dating someone and you're thinking about getting married. I talked to a guy yesterday and he's going, I just want to make sure I get this right. This is one of the biggest decisions of my life. I'm checking out everything. There's, there's power in the story you're about to hear and the message I'm about to bring. You may be in an abusive relationship. You're dating somebody and they're hurting you. And uh, you, you need to make some choices. This story will have something to say to you about it. As you hear it, what I want you to hear, it'll tear your, your eyes out with just a sense of, of hurt as you hear the first part of the story. But I want you to hear the last part of the story. I want you to rejoice in the glory of the Lord and what He can do in an individual's life when they're willing to sell their life out to the Lord and, and give Him first place in their life. And she's scared to death, and she's been scared all weekend, and she's been doing a great job all weekend, but she's still scared. So smile at her and welcome Brandy Church as she comes up to share with us. So how are you doing? Any less nervous? No, it gets harder, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about what was going on in your heart the day you got married. I'm only doing this because I'm nine months pregnant. (laughs) That was like what was going through my head. I was 19 and nine months pregnant and I decided that I didn't want to be a statistic, uh, another teenage unwed mother. So we get married. And you didn't love him? didn't love him. I just did it because I was pregnant with his child and so wanted my child to have a father. It's not kind of the same concept of people that stay married for the kids. So I was more like, well, let's get married for the kids. It wasn't good. I mean, we, he did care for me, but I had no feelings towards him. I didn't respect him. I, I didn't love him. Um, the only times I would like him is when he did what I wanted him to do that made me happy because um, I was very controlling. Um, <clears throat> I was very verbally abusive to him mentally abusive to him and I was at times physically abusive to him I just you know didn't like him didn't like the marriage at all but um, March 2000 is um, whenever we moved out to Hawaii he had orders and uh, his squadron that he was placed with was already deployed so as soon as we got into housing and was settled he went to join his um, squadron for deployment Um, a month into his being gone is whenever I met another man and ended up having a relationship with him. Um, When my husband came back, I kind of stuck around a little to just rub the affair in his face a little bit because I I was very cruel to him just because I had a lot of resentment towards him for being pregnant and for putting me in the position where I have to be a wife. And being single was like my thing or not being married and tied down. I didn't want to be married to him of all people. 18 months we were separated. I went back home to Ohio for a little bit, started working then, got a better, a different job in Pittsburgh, started working there, I was working as a stripper, and kind of with that, whenever Philip and I started dating, I had a lot of alcohol and drug problems, but with the pregnancy, obviously, that stopped, but then I got back into the, the drugs and the alcohol are right there, so I jumped right back into it, dependency on the alcohol, into the cocaine, smoking marijuana, doing ecstasy, just 
all these different drugs that were just really what I kind of started living for and for the money I was making. So I thought things were going great, you know, I'm making tons of money, I'm in, I'm in Pittsburgh, heck, I'm a Steelers fan, what better place could I live in? My mom gives me a phone call and tells me that my husband is, you know, finally sending me divorce papers and he's suing me for full custody of my daughter and he, I can only have limited visitation. And, you know, in my mind, that just horrified me, the thought of losing my daughter because, you know, that was, she was the only person I really did love and I, I wasn't, you know, cruel or hurtful to her. And, you know, I just, the thought of her not being in my life all the time just killed me. So I'm thinking, oh yeah, well I'll show him, you know, I'll make tons of money, I'll get this awesome lawyer, I'll get a big city Pittsburgh lawyer, this is awesome. And um, turns out I didn't live in Pittsburgh long enough, so I wasn't a Pennsylvania resident, so I couldn't get a lawyer, I couldn't get any legal help in Pittsburgh. I had to go back to Ohio, which was where my residency was. But a lot of things started happening. Um, I got into a lot of, I had roommates, we got into this horrible fight, so the living situation wasn't good at all. Um, work wasn't good, it was slowing down, no money coming in, my car breaks down, so I couldn't get to Ohio if I wanted to, and then my babysitter is deathly ill and just gets hospitalized for two weeks, so I don't have any means of like getting in like I was going to, and I was getting very desperate. Um, the money that I did make had to go for like immediate bills and immediate things like that, and nothing was just working out, and um, a man had made a proposal to me and so in order to be able to keep custody of my daughter and get the lawyer, I was willing to uh, do uh, act of prostitution to get the money because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, it's my daughter's worth it. I can do that. I can, I can do something like that just to keep her. I love her that much. I could degrade myself that bad. But then it was like, thank God I didn't do it because I just couldn't. I couldn't do that. Um, so I'm like, you know, calling my mom. I'm like, I don't know what to do, to, you know. And my mom's like, well, just get back with him. And I'm like, no, you know, I hate him. And she's like, no, get back with him, then set things up, and then um, then you can turn around, save up your money, get you a good lawyer, and then you can end this thing, and you know, with your terms. And you can win the custody battle and this and that. I'm like, okay, that's, you know what, that's a good idea. I can do that. So um, I call him. He's um, on deployment at that time. And I call him, kind of doing the... Hey, yeah, I kind of missed you. I want to talk. Da, da, da. And uh, he, he didn't trust me at first because he did call my mother to see if I was for real. And my mom lied for me and said, yes, she's very serious. You know, da, da, da. And so Philip agreed to uh, have like a, a grace period. When he, gets, when he got off of deployment, he had like two weeks of leave. And he was coming back home to Ohio to, you know, see his family. And so I decided... You know, to go ahead, we're going to go. So I'm moving from Pittsburgh. I decided to go from Pittsburgh back to Ohio. I'm going to move there. And um, that's when I had my, my experience with God, which is just really awesome. It's my um, road to Columbus conversion on Interstate 70. <laughs> but but you'd, you'd been somebody who didn't believe in God, and you'd been involved in the occult. And somehow in the midst of this, God spoke to you. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I can look back now, and I can see where, like, it kind of reminds me of like Blue's Clues, like the little paw prints. I see like God was here and here and here and here at the time. <laughs> you know, but you know, at the time I didn't see it. But you know, kind of, I, I just knew it and I was so desperate. I was at that, I need something. I'm at that point. I'm at the, I'm at the bottom. And kind of in my head, I was getting into the occult kind of 
may, there is, I know there's a higher power, there's something, but I was totally against Christianity from the way I, it had been taught to me. And then so God's presence is with me in my car, and it wasn't a condemning one. It was, he was, it amazed me that he loved me and was there talking to me of all the people. And I was just amazed by that and just awed. And so he was like, you know, Brandy, you can do things your way and see where you're going. Because I, I did have a list. So I'm do this and this and this and this and this. But I was just like these horrible things that were my options and alternatives. And he was like, or Brandy, you can do things my way. And I'm like, yes, God, I'm going to try your way. And he's like, okay, well, you know, you need to take your marriage with Philip seriously. And like, you really need to, to take this marriage seriously. You need to be a good wife to him. You need to honor your marriage. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. So we get, Philip comes back. Um, I tell him I'm a Christian, and he's just like, what? Right, okay. What's this nutty thing she's doing now? But, you know, um, I tried, I tried really hard. I bought a lot of books. I bought a lot of, you know, Christian marriage books, a lot of just give me answers. How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do this? Because, I mean, we had just so, such a horrid, horrible, just disgusting past, and it was just trying to really just incorporate God into everything now, and I was just very zealous for God and trying to preach at Philip and make him love God as much as I did, so it'd be easier for me, you know. And um, a lot of, I, I, I mean, I did love, love God, and I was trying to do things right, but I would just try to just preach at him and squish him into this perfect husband box, and he just wasn't going to fit into that. <laughs> and so, um, after lots of us uh, struggling, praying with people in my Friday morning Bible study group. You'd moved back to Hawaii by now. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. in 2000, we moved back of January of 2002. Two. So, one year ago, a little over. Look, 15 months ago, we, we moved back, and so I come here to this church, and I get into a mini church with Lisa Kai on Friday mornings, and just great women, and I'm just like pouring my heart out, you know. Because I love God, but I don't love my husband. Um, so, and I'm praying. I pray with Tisha. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't love him. I want my marriage to work, but I just don't have the feelings for him. I don't know what to do. And um, just praying and praying. Finally, um, Carolyn Denny talked to me and gave me the how-to, what to pray. She was explained to me pretty much, you know, God loves me and accepts me the way I am. God loves Philip and accepts him the way he is. And I need to pray to God to accept Philip and love him as he is and where he is. So I'm like, good, okay. You know what? That's going to work. So I'm going to pray that. Um, about half an hour before he'd come home from work, I would pray, Lord, just please let me be nice to him. Please let me sort of be happy to see him. Give me something. Give me something. <laughs> I mean, it was hard. I, I would see him. It, it would make me sick. Not, and I, did, I wanted to do the right thing, so I'm, I'm praying. I go to a friend's house, and I'm sitting there talking to her. I'm just, you know, desperate. You know, I want to do the right thing. I, I can't even think of one good thing to go on to thank God about him for. Nothing good. You, you said before you couldn't think of one good thing to say about him. I couldn't think of one good thing to go on to be like, thank you, Lord, because he's so this, but I couldn't. And I'm just desperate because I'm just, you know, come on. I want to do the right thing. I want to obey God. I want to love my husband. This can't be what life is about. This, this can't be what marriage is about. And so I'm praying. And I'm, you know, my heart is sincere. I just stop and I'm like, fine, you know what? I'm just going to accept him as he is. I'm just going to love him. I'm just going to do it. Lord, help me to do that. Help me to love him. I want to love him like that. I just stop. I don't care. I don't want him to change. I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to preach at him. I'm just going to accept him as he is. That's between him and God. I'm just going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. 
So I'm praying that. I go home. I'm praying that still and, you know, praying because he's getting ready to come home. And I just, I want, I want to be happy to see him instead of that dread in my stomach. And he walks through the door. And I see him and I look at him and I just love that man. I'm just overcome with just this love, this kind, gentle, patient, not easily angered, just love, sincere love for him. And uh, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't just say, I finally love you. (laughs) (laughs) So I called my mom. Who who at this time had already become a Christian. Yes, because I had won her over by my good deeds too. (laughs) So my mom had saw, you know, the dramatic, because it is black and white change, you know. I saw the change and she had become a Christian. So I'm talking to her about my struggles and I call her. I'm like, Mom, God gave me a new heart. I love my husband. You know, he just took the old one out and just gave me this new heart. And, like, the next day, I'm talking to the same friend I was talking to the day before, and I'm like, I can't think of a bad thing to say about him, you know? <laughs> and it was just so awesome. It was, it, was, it was amazing just that I just stopped trying to control him and make him do what I thought he should do so that he would deserve my love. Instead, I just loved him because that was what God commanded and wanted me to do. And since then, he's become a Christian, and your marriage has drastically changed. And tell us, how is it today? Oh, it's, it's absolutely just amazing and fantastic. I thought he would never get saved, and he did, because I just stopped preaching at him. That was just the most amazing thing, and it didn't take very long. I just stopped and just did what I needed to do. I just loved him. And, oh my gosh, that was like the happiest thing. And it's cool, because now we can pray together. I mean, like, our whole lives, we can just do so many different things together. So many more, like, so much more we can do together and enjoy each other. And just everything is just so great. I... Before, I'd be like, you know, God, I can name five other men I'd rather be married to. And now it's like, thank you. You were right. This is the perfect man for me. Those differences that were night and day, we, now it's, it's not differences. We just complement each other. It's, it's amazing. I just love him so much. Couldn't ask for anyone better. He's on deployment right now, and you guys are talking a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, guys, like, <laughs> because I kind of discovered what my love language was. I'm like, you know, this is so great, but I know it can just, it can only be better. If God's involved, it's just, it can be just so good, just so good. And I'm trying to speak his love language. That was really what it started. I'm trying to figure out his so I can just show him even more that I love him. And we're just, and he's been talking to me, which is like my love language thing, like the quality time. And like, he talks to me for like two hours, which before like two minutes, I had to like just talk to me stay there keep your eyes open but now it's just so awesome <laughs> is that good <laughs> this is the power of God yes. it's not counseling it's not psychology it's not even somebody saying I'm going to do nice Christian things this is the power of God to change somebody's life. And that's what we want to talk about this morning in this message, how to make loving more fun. Whoever you are, whatever circumstance you're in, you might just have been divorced. There's something in this message for you. You might be a lonely person praying, God, send somebody into my life. There's something in these scriptures that, that are for you that will touch your heart. And, and it spreads. It goes beyond romance to how to get along at work even. There's, there's a message here for us as well. Uh, let's take a look at the first part. I called it uh, From Creation to Corruption, and there you get a very good, funny paper picture of uh, what you know, people like to think of as the creation story. Adam and Eve, naked in the garden, 
and a snake hanging from the tree and apples on the tree. Although you'll notice that the apples don't appear in the Bible and there's some of this that doesn't fit. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make people in our image to be like ourselves. Notice the plural. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit available at, at the, the time of creation. Let us make people in our image to be like ourselves. They will be masters over all of life, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, the wild animals, the small animals. God gave us control over this planet, told us to take care of it, be good stewards of it. And of course, you know that we haven't done such a hot job of all of that. It says that God created people in his own image. He patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. I wrote four words in my Bible where it says we're made in God's image. The word think. God thinks and he gave you the ability to think. The word feel. God is a God of emotion. And so are you, a person of emotion. The word choose. God makes decisions. And so do you. So do I. And the word uh, communication. God has made you so that you're prone to communication. God made you so you need to live in community with other people. All four of those words apply to success in a marriage. We learn to think like each other. We learn to have feelings for each other. We learn to um, make choices that we've come together in the choice. There's a oneness in the way that we choose. And we learn to communicate with each other. You know, I talk to some people who have been married and the wife's complaint is, we've been married for all this time and the guy comes home and, 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 and falls asleep watching TV at night. He won't even talk to me. God made you to be one with each other to share your feelings, to share your thoughts, to share in the decisions you make, and to share in communication with one another. That's his ideal, and, and sin has broken that ideal. Turn to Genesis chapter 2 with me, verse 15. It says, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and care for it. Do you remember back when you were in school and they taught you, although the revisionists of history have changed this somewhat lately, but when they taught you about the Fertile Crescent, which is an area in northern Iraq, between the Tigris and Euphrates River, where we know that civilization was born. You know, whether you're an evolutionist or whatever you believe about what the leakies have found in Africa or whatever, we know that civilization first started in northern Iraq, and that's where people have always placed the Garden of Eden. If you were watching the war on television, you saw that the war moved itself from, from Kuwait up into Basra, Umkasar, desert areas. Pretty soon you get to Baghdad, it's a little greener. And then as the war starts to move up into the north, into Kurdistan, you're starting to see these very lush, green, beautiful farming areas. Well, that's where historians believe that this place happened and that, that civilization was born. It says, And God placed the man in the garden to tend and care for it, but the Lord God gave him this warning. You may freely eat from any fruit in the garden except fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. You'll be separated from God and you'll go into an eternity separated from God. Did you hear the word apple there as we were reading that? It's not there. Eve didn't eat the apple. She might have. I, I, I think there might have been a thousand trees. There might have been thousands of trees exactly like that tree. It wasn't that eating the fruit was somehow going to change your genetic makeup. It was the act of rebelling against God was going to change your morality. Do you understand that? God just said, you can have it all. It's all yours. But this one, this is mine. Just leave this one alone. And in the act of saying, well, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do what God wants me to do. That's the act of sin. When the Bible talks about sin, it's not God pointing his finger down your nose and saying, you did all these wrong, rotten things. It's, it's God trying to touch on an attitude of your heart that says, God can go run his universe. I'm running my life. 
He's God with a capital G. I'm God with a small g. I'm running this show. That is sin. That is sin. And as a result of sin, we come under what the Bible calls the curse. It goes on to tell us that God said it's not good for the man to be alone. Verse 18, I'll make a companion. I like that word companion, a partner who will help him. And so the Lord goes on and tells how he made woman. Verse 23, at last Adam exclaimed, she is part of my flesh and bone. She'll be called woman because she was taken out of man. This explains why a a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Underline those words, the two are united into one. Is that's God's plan for your romantic life. Two people to be united into one. Two people who learn to think alike. To, you know, my wife and I will see something on TV or we'll be driving down the road and we'll see something. And she'll start to speak and say, look at that. And I'll go, yeah, it's such and such. And we're both thinking the same way. We've been married for 36 years. We've, we've known each other for 38 or 39 years. Uh, God wants there to be that harmony. So many of us are living lives. We call it love, but it's just a struggle. It's a competition. It it turns into something that's ugly, not something that's good. And God wants us in a relationship that's filled with joy and with fun and with harmony and with a sense of security. This person is going to be with me through thick and thin. And verse 25 says, And although Adam and his wife were both naked, neither of them felt any shame. And that's one of God's little clues in the Bible that he invented sex and he wants you to enjoy it. In the confines of marriage, he wants you to enjoy it. God made us to enjoy each other and have pleasure. In fact, I'll give you a little translation here. The beginning of verse 23, where Adam exclaims, At last, you could write these words there. Oh, wow. (laughs) Ooh, what a babe. And she's mine. Well, it goes on and talks about people falling for sin. We're not going to read the verses, but verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 13, uh, get into this business of of, of eating the forbidden fruit. You know, we, we all are aware of evil in the world. And we are aware that there are some people that are so evil that the only answer that really speaks to the evil is that they're possessed by a devil. They're possessed by a demon. The Bible tells us that the fourth person of authority in heaven was Lucifer, who was, was the, the angel of light, the angel of the morning. And that he rebelled against God, said he wanted to be like God. And he rebelled against God and took one-third of the angels of heaven with him. And those spirit messengers who rebelled against God today we call demons. And, and, and we've all seen the Charles Mansons of this world. We've seen the Ted Bundys of this world. We've seen the Saddam Husseins of this world. Have you read any of the stuff about what his two sons were doing? Scouring the high schools of the country, forcing the principals to turn over to them the prettiest young girls in the school so they could take them and do what they wanted to. And then if they were dissatisfied, they'd kill them, shoot them. Demon-possessed people. Well, here you have the story of the serpent and the woman and The only answer to that is, here's an animal that's possessed of Satan himself. And and the devil comes along to this woman and says to her, and by the way, Adam and Eve, the the, the name Adam means, it translates from the Hebrew, first one. And the name Eve translates mother. So, you know, it's not like their names were Madeline and Chemo. Uh, It's first one and mother. And and so these first couple here are are, are left with this situation and and Satan comes to the woman and says, did God really say you can't eat any of the fruit of this garden? She says, no, he didn't say that. He said we could eat any of it, just not from this one tree. He said we would die if we eat from that one tree. You won't die. You'll become like God. You'll know what God knows. You'll know the difference between good and evil. 
And certainly, the day that you rebel against God is the day that you understand morality and the difference between good and evil. God had protected these people, and suddenly they're in this position where now they're ashamed of themselves. The scripture says they're ashamed of their nakedness. They try to hook fig leaves together to cover up their nakedness, but I'll bet you the guy was peeking. You're slow to laugh. That was a good line. You're slow to laugh. But then it says that God came down to fellowship with them and they were trying to hide themselves from God. And how often that's the case with us, that we're running away from God, we're mad at God, we've got all these excuses, we're hiding ourselves from someone who truly can know us and know what we're all about. And they're hiding from God. And, and so God says, oh, you ate the fruit, huh? And, and, then, and then he pronounces a curse. He says, because of rebellion in the world, because you sinned against me, there's going to be a curse. And you can read about it. It starts out in verse 16. And basically he says... To the woman, you'll bear children with intense pain and suffering. He goes on and tells the man in verse 17 that because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit I told you not to eat, I placed a curse on the ground and all your life you'll struggle to scratch a living from it. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe.